Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today, I have the creative director of JCK Media and Design, Patricia Treka. Thank you so much for coming to the Blackout today. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, man, where to start? Like, I have so many things I want to hit, but I kind of like going way back, mm-hmm. right? How did you get to be the creative director of JCK? Like, what was the beginning, of the, oh, the, the genesis of that journey? Oh, okay. So let's see if I can make this concise because it feels like it's been such a long journey. Right. Um, so essentially, when I was in university, um, I had initially pursued a Bachelor of Commerce. You know, I was going to do accounting. Everyone said, you know, that'll probably yield the best career but for you. <laughs> yes, you don't. See, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you're an accountant, you'll have a job you'll for life. You'll always have a job. Exactly. I, but I can't fucking stand. Not something that, (laughs) it was after I got my first co-op and I really got to have that position for a while and experience what it was like that I realized, you know, as wonderful as it is that I like accounting, this isn't something that I could see myself doing long term. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that time, I had been trying to explore other opportunities and Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to get a position as a creative executive assistant for um, a realtor who also worked as a brand and marketing specialist um, for a home building company. So when I got that position with her, it was during the summer times and that's when I got exposed to branding and marketing work. And because she worked with new development homes, we also got to do a little bit of uh, video videography and uh, real estate photography. Mm. So that's when I was given a camera for the first time and I really got to play with that. Um, And then subsequently, part of the position also entailed getting to work with the company on revamping their website. Mm -hmm. So at the time, they had somebody else who was doing uh, it not in-house. And I had recently started my little stint of being an influencer when Instagram had kind of blown up. So Mm -hmm. I had decided to start my own blog. And then that's when I realized, oh, okay, web design, this is something I kind of have an interest in. And then I, you know, was doing a little bit more digging. Let me learn a little bit more on the coding side. That way it's not just visual. But I don't know, I'm, a, I'm an inquisitive person and I always want to know how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was working with this company, because now I had this experience with a little bit of web design, I said, well, right now it's costing you X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. This is what we could save if you just did it in-house. And I you know, had a successful pitch while I was um, assuming that position and I was able to help with their website. Yep. And so now I'm helping with the website. I am helping with videography, photography. Mm-hmm. And during that same period, the Halifax Shopping Center here in Halifax had kind of seen, um, you know, my photography on my Instagram, again, with the whole influencer vibe I was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they reached out to me and they said, you know, Patricia, we'd love to give you a gift card so you can keep shopping and showing your style on online. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, oh, so that clearly means that managing my own social media, you know, I'm doing a good job of that. So then I pieced it all together and I realized, okay, photography, videography, something that clearly was natural to me after I got to hold that camera, mm-hmm. um, web design social media management and curation and kind of knowing how to piece things together in a way that was aesthetically pleasing was mm-hmm. something that I, I guess just had a natural eye for. Mm-hmm. So then I decided to brand myself as a digital media specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the woman that I was working for was having a wedding and she had gone over her budget. Um, So because I had worked with different cameras uh, working with her, she said, well, you know, a wedding is not real estate videography. 
but let's see what you can do because I don't have a budget for a videographer. So you mm -hmm. can just film it and we'll see what happens. Um, and then I decided that for her wedding gift, I wanted to piece the video together and give that to her as her wedding video. So then that's when I really got to start editing something that had a little bit more of a narrative, right? Because you're mm -hmm. showing the whole sequence of the wedding, but in a way that also has to be visually, you know, interesting, right? Um, she posted that on Facebook couple people messaged who was your videographer I'd like to hire them <laughs> um, so then I realized okay digital media specialist um, and really pursuing all of these creative avenues that I otherwise wouldn't have done if I had stayed working as an accountant mm -hmm. um, is something that I decided okay I really want to do this and then after I started looking you know at how much money had come in while it was a side hustle I thought to myself wait I just work a little bit harder this could become a full-time thing so then I was Patricia Trek a digital media specialist and then I went full-time uh, doing that and then I rebranded because I had two gentlemen who had always been my biggest supporters who really pushed me to go full-time mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. their last names were Johnson and Knutson so that is how JCK was born because it now stands for Johnson, Chereka, and Knutson. I wanted to pay homage to the people that had really supported me mm -hmm. because anytime someone wants to start a new business, it's always, this is risky. And sometimes you have a lot of people who, eh, don't do that. That's not the safest <laughs> bet. But it was nice to have, you know, these people really want to support me. Right. Um, so then JCK was born. Um, mm -hmm. And then I changed my title to creative director because I started realizing that people, you know, whether they're doing web design or social media, the direction of what do we need to be doing and how can we execute an implementation and the strategy was something that was missing. Mm. So then I was able to offer creativity, but also direction. So then creative director for the company is the role that I assumed. And I have been doing that for going on five years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was pretty succinct. It took like years. I'm putting it oh, into nice. just okay. a couple. Oh, <laughs> nice. Tried to make it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes did. I ramble, so. But, um, okay, so let's rewind a bit. Yes. Did, was it ever scary deciding to go full-time? Every single day I wake up, it's mm. scary, right? Especially now that we're, you know, post-pandemic. Um, and having gone through navigating a small business during an economic downturn that nobody could have predicted, mm -hmm. you always question, why do I have my own business? <laughs> mm. Why am I doing this? So in the beginning, it was definitely very scary. And it's still scary every day because if you don't put in the effort and the time, you don't get the paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like I can show up, punch in, do my nine to five, and then I know I have a paycheck. It's like It's confirmed every two weeks. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, constantly yeah. have to be prospecting. You have to manage your cash flow wisely, especially when you know that you're going to have those months where, you know, things are going to slow down a little right, bit. Right, right, um, And then now, also, last year was my first time bringing on a full-time employee. So mm. that was a very... It was the first time I felt like an adult, right? Having to issue, <laughs> issue ROEs and I didn't even an adult for a very long time. <laughs> you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but when you have an employee, and I remember, you know, issuing her T4, I thought to myself, wow, I, I've done something mature here. I think I'm a real business now. Right, right, um, right. So it's scary every day because, you know, even then I'm thinking, am I doing this right? want to make sure that I'm, you know, CRA, everything's approved. Mm. So I think there's never a moment where it's not scary. But I like the excitement and I think anyone who you know wants to be an entrepreneur, that love of risk, I think is one of the reasons why it works well for me, right? Because we're mm -hmm. the kinds of people who there's a challenge, mm -hmm. but I like that challenge and I want to keep seeing if it's something I can do. And fortunately for me, I work in digital media, which again, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people transitioning online has worked out well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, how I've navigated that <laughs> one thing one thing that has been a steady thread in this 
you know, you talking so far has been creative, 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 mm-hmm. creative. I like that's the name on, on the plate, creative director, right? Mm. But you went down the line of accounting. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a creative side to you growing up? Um, back in grade eight, I remember there was an assembly and I got called up because I had won an award. And I was thinking to myself, what's this award for? A couple months before I had entered a contest um, and it was, you had to draw um, a piece and submit it for MAD, Mothers Against Drinking and Driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had to come up with a creative concept for how you wanted to depict that. And mm-hmm. I had drawn something and I remember being chosen and the prize was $150. I got called up in an assembly, got mm-hmm. my picture taken. I was in the paper. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> um, and I say that story because, yes, when I was younger, I used to paint and I used to draw quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, I still do portraits every now and then um just sketching um so i've always been someone who visually i've always had an interest in in being creative and i'm also the kind of person who thinks very you know in a very abstract way right i'm always Mm. thinking okay this is one way of doing it but maybe there's this other completely different way of thinking outside of the box um so i think i've always been a creative person even when i had the accounting co-op position mm. they brought me on to do some of their marketing because while i was there i was looking at some of their their um promo and in my head i was like i could do that better <laughs> so i remember doing one of my lunch periods right. after i'd done some of the reconciliations i said do you mind if I just fix that up a little bit for you? <laughs> and they were like, oh, sure, if you want. And then they ended up bringing me on to do for the entire year. I got to revamp some of their right. marketing. Yeah. So I think I've always been subconsciously pushing mm. to do more creative things. And then now it's really focusing and honing in on film. Mm-hmm. Um, because through weddings, I was able to realize that I like the ability of, again, telling a story, telling a narrative, being able to bring people into this moment. They get to relive it. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with with film, you know, it's, it's motion picture. And mm-hmm. rather than have these stills, you know, you have the audio, you have the visual, you're able to bring people into a completely different world. And I just, mm. I think that that's really cool. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm biased because I love film. Yeah. I love watching TV a lot. So, um, JCK, mm-hmm. you built it, doing some jobs. And how has it been so far? Amazing, which mm-hmm. I'm so happy that I get to say that. Um In the beginning, it was, again, it was difficult when I was doing it solo as Patricia. And Mm -hmm. another rationale for having, you know, the J and the K um, was also because the two gentlemen, they are, they're they're two white men. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I also felt that it was a benefit to have their assistance um, with the business and to kind of bring them in in the early stages is I fully recognize that I am, you know, a visible minority. I'm also a woman. Um, So... being being able to, I think, sometimes get the footing that you need in the world that I live in Mm. sometimes necessitates um, having to rely on other people or other methods to be able to kind of advance what it is that I'm trying to do, Mm. right? So I try to, again, thinking outside of the box of how I can really, you know, get to the end objective that I want to get to. But working with them and 
um, having them also made me realize that working independently is never the same as working with a team, right? Mm. So the idea with JCK is that we're a collective of creatives doing what we love to better serve our clients. And so everyone who is a part of the collective, you know, freelancers on their own businesses, we all get to come together and we get to work cohesively to be able to uh, provide different um, deliverables for our clients. Mm. And the idea is that, you know, Collaboration over competition has always been my motto, and mm -hmm. that's how I'm trying to build the company is everyone has all of these different skill sets, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are complementary. So when we're working together, now you don't just have Patricia who maybe, you know, can piece it all together um, from a managerial perspective, but now mm -hmm. you have someone who really excels with the cinematography, someone who really excels with the sound, someone mm -hmm. who really excels with all of these other aspects, and then you get this beautiful, you know, end result for your client because you're working together and then also everyone gets a little bit of the pie so everyone gets to take home a paycheck which mm. is <laughs> which mm. i think is also really nice right yeah you know i love that approach and like i have this friends team of awesome people i work with i call them the avengers you know mm -hmm. it's like the movie because each person is a superhero yes. on their own mm -hmm. but like when they come together it's like you know magic is gonna happen exactly. so i totally get the collective thing and why what led you down that path like i mean you kind of had your business it was you're doing what you were doing but what led you to decide to create this collective um i think in the beginning um when i was first in halifax and on social media i remember sometimes i would see these events of other people in the creative space going to do things together and it always felt you know, some of the events, you know, would just be all guys who, you know, in the industry that I am, sometimes it is uh, predominantly male-led, on the on the film side anyway. Mm. Um, and I always remember thinking to myself, oh, this feels like a boys club that I just, I want to get in on this. Mm. So I thought, or I can make my own club and then bring other people into that club. And so <laughs> it's nice because these people that I, you know, there was a window when I'm looking out, wanting to be a part of something I was able to grow something and then invite other people to be a part of that. And so I think for me, it stemmed from wanting to be able to work with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. When I tell my sisters, you know, oh, look at this lens flare. Oh, look at this scene. Look at that composition. Isn't it great? They don't get the same excitement <laughs> as somebody who works, you know, in that industry. Or right. when we're doing graphic design or we're doing websites. Oh, look at that cool transition as you're scrolling. Those things aren't, they don't cause excitement for people who aren't doing it in a, on a regular basis it isn't for them right? yeah exactly so wanting to work with like-minded people mm. was my biggest thing wanting to be a part of that club but create the club for myself mm. was a big motivator um and i i'm a social person i just like being able to <laughs> be around other people <laughs> so you mentioned that um your part was consent and domestic violence yes like how What's your experience of that? So the reason why that is these, those are the two stories that I get to talk about in my interview. Mm -hmm. um, consent, that's always been something that's been very big for me mm -hmm. um, because I think sometimes men forget what that line is, right? Mm. Um, you know, having to ask 10 times before you wear her down and she finally says yes. Mm. Isn't the greatest consent to have, right? If it's not an enthusiastic yes, it's not a yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's something that I've always felt, you know, was something that growing up or sex education, you know, in school, we're never really, men sometimes are not really taught what's the best way to be able to, to speak about that. So that was something that I felt strongly about and I really wanted to be able to drive home what the definition of consent is. Again, in, in a world where sometimes men um, sometimes 
overstep on that boundary. Mm. Um, and then in regards to domestic violence, um, that one is particular to my personal upbringing mm. um, because in 2011, I did lose my mother um, to domestic violence. Uh, so she lost her life as a direct result of my father's doing. Um, so of course he subsequently after that evening was incarcerated and I haven't seen him for about 10 years. Um, so I think, you know, at first it was something that I was weary to want to talk about, mm. but I also recognize that I have firsthand experience of what that one event trickled into, right? Because mm. then I was subsequently placed into foster care, um, as were my sisters. Um, and so much therapy. How do you deal with oh, I witnessed, you know, my own mother being yeah. murdered by my father. Mm. Um, and the weapon of choice was a hammer. So it was blunt force trauma to the head, which as a 15-year-old child coming down the stairs and witnessing that, mm. not something that you, not something that's easy to just kind of move over, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's important sometimes because my parents are very, they were very African um, in the sense that some of their values um are not particular are not uh, equal to that of Western culture, and I say that in the sense of, you know, the patriarch patriarchy exists wherever you are. I think it's a man's world that we live in, but in African culture, you know, women going to school, women advancing in their careers is something that's even the gap is even bigger, right? We, your father doesn't expect you to go to university. And my mother was the first person in her whole tribe to get, you know, um, a university degree. She was really going above and beyond. And so I think it really highlights what, you know, that kind of mindset and that kind of culture of women always being lesser and men feeling like, you know, they need to be at the top. And if they don't get what they want, oh, okay, well, then they have the right to do whatever mm -hmm. out of anger, out of whatever the situation may be, just that mindset is something that we really need to get out of. And so mm. in Western culture, yes, women are, you know, allowed more so to be able to advance their careers, to get an education. It's not something that um, is quite, the gap isn't quite as large compared to Africa, mm -hmm. but it still highlights what can happen when that mindset and that belief of women are lesser Mm. what that can result in, right? Mm. Um, and so it's an important story, and I think it needs to be talked about just so men can have an understanding of, you know, of course there are going to be marital issues. There are different ways to handle them. Mm. Um, and just men in general, sometimes I feel, you know, biologically speaking, and I know there are the exceptions, as the, you know, sometimes stronger, bigger person, you know, it's easier to be the oppressor, right? And so having these sensitive conversations on, okay, how can we talking about how can we talk about mental health? How can we talk about the right way to handle situations? How can we mitigate instances of domestic violence is mm. something that I um, I also feel strongly about because I have been directly affected. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's powerful. Um, yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously the Augustine's project is going to be a heavy one, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you have a lot of things to do for the rest of your time here, so I'm not going to keep you any much longer. But I want to end it with this question now. Mm -hmm. A black woman in this industry that is 
Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, you know, it, it's one thing that happened in the last couple of years is where um, people understand that well, representation is always really important. Mm-hmm. As a kid, when you watch TV and you see someone looking like you doing something cool, it kind of gives you something to look forward to, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, a uh, young black woman running on from producing all this stuff and building things. What do you have to share to that young black person out there watching? Oh. It's like, I know I'm putting too much on your shoulder <laughs> right now, but like, what do you have to share to, uh, with them? I sometimes get asked what my big picture is in the world of film and why I want to work as a producer. And I tell people at the end of the day, you know, I want to be Halifax's and maybe someday Toronto's Shonda Rhimes, right? Showrunner, um, really being able to tell, you know, a story as well as producing and, you know, all encompassing. A showrunner is, is what I aspire to be. And I look at Shonda Rhimes and to me, that's someone that I can say, oh, this is a black woman. This is someone who was able to accomplish something that I'm trying to do. Mm. There's hope for me. There's motivation okay, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so I think if anyone's going to look at me, and by all means, I know I'm not perfect. I I try to, you know, keep it all together and do the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm not perfect. But if someone's going to look at me as, you know, a role model or look to me for words of encouragement or what I would want to instill into other people is definitely uh, that your past doesn't hinder your future. Mm. Um, Because again, with my history and being an orphan and then also being a woman and then being black and then being queer, you know, all of these things that should be looked at as Mm -hmm. disadvantages, take them, own that as your story, Mm. and then use that as your fuel and your motivation to be more resilient, Mm -hmm. to push you more, to make you realize, okay, but if I can overcome this, then, you know, my goodness, I am a superwoman, right? I can I can do anything that I put my mindset to. Um, so I really just want to show people that, you know, a lot of the times people get stuck on, it's just a dream. It can't mm. happen. But, you know, the harder that you work, the more amazing people you surround yourself with, a mm. good support system, um, then things can come to fruition. And as long as you realize that believe in yourself and don't let your past hinder your future, don't let it dictate your future, write that story yourself, Mm. you know, pave the path for yourself um, is definitely something that I'm hoping my story can highlight um, Mm. because a lot of negativity has been in my past, taking that in and changing that energy and bringing it back out into the world as positivity of, okay, let's be better people. Let's talk about the negative, but in a positive light, right? Mm. Um, Is really what I would say to kind of give some motivation and inspiration to others kind of looking at my story. Patricia, thank you so much for sharing that and, you know, for sharing your story. Also, all the awesome things you do. I can't wait to see the August James Project when it's done. Thank you. And thanks for coming to the Blackout Podcast. Thank you so much for having me.